0: Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 175. Wow. Oh, 175 of these freaking things! What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary. Gonna be hanging out. Excited for another episode where we get to dive in and talk some New York Jets football. We are going to be getting into a surprise New York Jets standout. I was a little bit surprised to hear who this standout was. We'll talk about the Jets being forced on hard knocks uh, and some audio files that we got to get into, but. Before we jump into the episode, we got to thank our sponsors over at Manscaped Cannonball. This summer is not about those cannonballs. It's about making a splash with our friends at Manscaped Prep. For barbecue season, by making sure your grill master has the hottest dogs the summers ever seen. When you're at the cookout, let the meat speak for itself with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. It's time to get ready and not sweaty by going to manscaped.com and using my promo code Jets twenty. That is J E T S two zero for twenty percent off and free shipping. Make sure to pick yourself up something nice over at manscape.com, courtesy of me. All right, let's hop into the episode for today. A lot of things to get into. As I mentioned, we start with a surprise standout. So, Rich Samini of ESPN listed his surprise off-season standout for the New York Jets. And to me, it was... I thought it was very—this so answer was very surprising from Rich simini He says Max Mitchell, and his reasoning is that the 2022-2022 uh, fourth-round pick— I don't know why that was so hard for me to spit out— who missed time last season with a knee sprain and uh, blood clotting condition, rebounded with a strong offseason. Mitchell started five games in 2022 at right tackle and will compete for that job in training camp. He was in the midst of a solid rookie year when clots were discovered in one of his lungs and his right calf. Ending his season, he can manage the condition with medication, which will allow him to continue his career. So that aspect of it is obviously a good one. And something that I am very happy for Max Mitchell with uh, is his health, first and foremost. Obviously, that's most important. Blood clots are scary things. That's not a good thing. Uh, and him being able to continue his career is obviously a good thing and, and a win. The surprise is that he was listed as the offseason standout. I I didn't really hear much from Max Mitchell this offseason. So I wasn't really expecting him to come in and be the answer for Rich Semini. You would have thought... Uh, maybe it was you know someone who got in crazy shape, like Macai Becton for that example, or Carl Lawson, or someone who had a good OTAs, you know, maybe stood out a little bit at the at the OTA offseason training uh, activities. I guess maybe Max Mitchell did, and he will. Samini's right; he will be a part of the competition for that starting job at right tackle. Does he win it though? I have a hard time thinking a healthy makai Becton loses that competition to Max Mitchell or Carter Warren or Billy Turner. I really do. With Max there, he was very up and down last year as a rookie. There were some nice moments, and he was he played above what my expectation was for him. And, and he specifically had a a nice game against Cincinnati and Cleveland. I thought he was, he was okay in, but there were some tough ones in there in his, in his games that he played. He, he ended up playing in six games. Um, the Minnesota game was the one that I I guess he left early in, in week 13, because he played weeks one through four gets hurt, comes back in week 12 and 13. And, uh, But some of these numbers are a little bit rough. 14 pressures allowed is a lot of freaking pressures allowed in that small amount of time. Three sacks is also. So that over, oh, these numbers over six games. So we'll do 14 pressures over six times 17. That is 39.7 pressure. So 40 pressures Three sacks over six is half a sack over seventeen is what not a half nine. We'll round up to nine sacks. It's a it's a lot of sacks to be giving up um, in a in a, in the course of a full season. Um, one penalty though, which is uh, which that's a plus. And obviously, sure, there's room for growth with Max Mitchell. He is someone who can t- can continue to grow and develop and get better as his career goes on and as he progresses here, but. I don't know if it's a a lock that he is a a starter. Maybe he does surprise, and that's part of the answer, I guess, from Rich Samini is saying that someone who's under the radar right now, who could then take that step and be, you know, surprise starter for this team. But I I, I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm about to walk myself back a little bit because, uh, the quote. Is ESPN Rich Semini puts Max Mitchell as the surprise offseason standout for the Jets. So he was the one that had the standout offseason. I don't know. Again, I'm rooting for him. I, I want him to to be good. I I would be surprised if Max Mitchell is the the starting right tackle. If anyone not named Makai Becton is starting at right tackle, I think it would be Billy Turner because of his experience there. Or hell, maybe even AVT, maybe even AVT gets the start, and then they play Billy. You could play Billy Turner inside, or you can play uh, Connor McGovern on the inside. There's a lot of ways the Jets can go about doing this offensive line. So that's definitely a training camp storyline that I cannot wait to watch for. And man, am I itching for training camp right now because it is a it's a quiet time in the off season. Uh, but we were talking about uh, surprise offseason standouts. Max Mitchell, one of those guys. I don't know. I want to hear from you guys, obviously, in, in the comment section on YouTube. If you're listening to this in audio form, get at me on social media and let me know if you view Max Mitchell as, a, a one, someone who had a standout off-season. I guess him getting back to the point where he could play could theoretically count for that. I will give him credit for that. Uh, but beyond that, I don't know. That one, again, was a little bit of a surprise for me. The second story I want to get into today, Hard Knocks. It is appearing like the New York Jets will be on Hard Knocks training camp with the New York Jets. Don't you love it? Wasn't that so much fun when the Jets were on Hard Knocks in 2010? The thing is, the Jets made it abundantly clear that they did not want to be on this program. Right. Isn't it funny that they said, we, eh, you know, we're really, we're really all set, but there's a couple of things that come up uh, or a couple, of, there's only a few teams that could be on hard knocks and there's qualifi- certain qualifications. Like you can't make the playoffs over the last two years, I believe is one of them, which is just, that is a strange one. That is a really weird one. But anyway, uh, the jets were a team that could potentially be, being on the mix. Uh, The Bears, the Saints, the Washington Commanders, those were the four teams who could have been on hard knocks this year. And it appears like the Jets are the quote was the Jets are bracing to be the ones that are forced into it. Robert Sala said that uh, he does not have interest in the New York Jets being on that show. And I get it. Uh, It's. One, they already have cameras in the building with the the one jets drive and the flight 2023 crew. I think those guys do such a great production and they give you such a good quality product that you didn't necessarily need the hard knocks. And I wasn't rooting like, oh my God, yeah, they got to be on hard knocks. But now that, you know, there's word out there that it looks like that's going to end up being the case. I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. Like, let's be honest, guys. The last time the Jets were on hard knocks, which is 13 years ago, which is crazy to me that that was 13 years ago. But the Jets in 2010 had the best season that I have ever seen them have on my in my all my years of fandom. You know, I've been following the Jets since the early 2000s. The 2010 Jets were by far the best Jets team that I've seen. I was too young for 1998, unfortunately. My three-year-old, Matt, does not really remember the 98 Jets. But uh, 2010 Jets, really, really good. And they had a, a young team. There were expectations coming off a... Uh, super uh, on no, a Super Bowl I wish a Super Bowl run a AFC championship game appearance and a run you know a couple upset wins they uh, you know they beat the Bengals on the road in Cincinnati and then they beat the Chargers on the road in San Diego uh, and they played a pretty good game a first half at least against the Indianapolis Colts so there were some nice moments and then obviously they bring in some veterans Ladanian Tomlinson is added in 2010. Jason Taylor comes in 2010. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else, if there were any other veterans that were, that were added in in 2010, who jumped in. Obviously we know in 2011, you had like Derek Mason join, uh, which was not great. Plaxico Burris joins. I'm trying to think if there was any other ones jumping out from 2010. It's not, not coming to me at the moment, but Moral of the story here, th- that was a team that had some expectations, and yes, there is pressure on this Jets team, and I think they would be able to handle it. There's going to be those the storylines, and uh, the people who hate Aaron Rodgers are going to continue to hate Aaron Rodgers because that's what they will do, and that's the narrative that they will try to push, but there are some young, likable guys also on this Jets football team. Uh, Sauce Gardner, I think, would do well on that show. Garrett Wilson, I think will do well on that show. Quinn and Williams, I think will do well on that show. Uh, Michael Carter, the running back has a great personality. I think will do well. So it'll be entertaining. Like you have nothing to fear about it, not being an entertaining product to, to watch or sit through. I, as a, a content creator and fan, I'm excited to get more access into the jets. I think that is, you know, only a good thing for, for us. But, you know, if the team doesn't want to do it, that was kind of where I was like, okay, like then I'm all good. Like if they don't want to do it, then, you know, we don't, we don't need it. We have one jets drive, you know, that's enough. But with them being forced into it. And I guess like that's a, that's another, another thing is how the league could force these teams to do it. That kind of stinks that maybe the jets should get some sort of benefit for being the team to put up with that or go through that. Uh, it will get them some more exposure. And I guess the, if this is the price you have to pay for being relevant again, then I will pay that price because for far too long, this Jets team hasn't been relevant. They really haven't. You know, 2011, they came in and were they were relevant going into that season because they were off the back-to-back AFC Championship games, but then things really petered off and then they haven't made the playoffs ever since then. They've had one winning season in 2015 since then. So... Haven't really been relevant. Last year, you got a little glimpse of what it could be like. This year, you add Aaron Rodgers and expectation expectations to the mix. Then that makes it even, you know, that much more exciting from from that perspective on it. So, you know, I I for one am well. I'm not over the moon about some of these things with them being forced into hard knocks. I think you could get by with it. Let's get into the audio files. We have some audio files that I want to get into. The first one, I'm sure you saw this story on uh, social media because it's just so bizarre. It was such a weird story, and it sucks that it's a story, but... There is now, for some reason, beef between Darrell Rivas and Joe Klecko. It's just, just so stupid. It is so stupid. We'll play the clip that apparently set Darrell Rivas off, and you tell me if Joe Klecko said anything wrong or had any kind of slight to Darrell Rivas in any of this. So this is a clip courtesy of the Jake Asman show. If you haven't seen the full interview with Joe Klecko, make sure to check it out. But here, we'll play the audio of the clip, and then we will react to it with the Darrell Revis reaction. Looking at the history of the Jets, right, you could make a case the two greatest players that have ever played defense for this franchise, you and Darrell Revis, are fittingly going in to the Hall of Fame together. The, the best player my dad ever watched was you, and the best player I've seen in my lifetime watching the Jets was Darrell Rivas, without a doubt. Does it add to it that, that it's basically going to be a giant Jet fan party celebrating you and Darrell this summer? Like, how exciting is it for you to go in with Darrell when you guys get that opportunity to be a part of it together this
1: summer? Well, I said to him, you know, when we were out at the Super Bowl, and I said to him, I goes, this is going to be New York West for a day. You know what I mean? And we got to sit down after And Darrell doesn't say a whole lot, but the one thing, first comment we had, we were doing serious radio, and he said, it's really cool that Joe and I, who are the two best defensive players ever to play for the Jets, are coming in together. And I was very, I mean, I didn't know his mindset about us, and he didn't know much about me because it was been so long ago. I mean, I played when they didn't have face masks, so you know. <laughs> but but it's it's cool. I mean, for him and I both, we've talked about it a little bit, and you know, you know about what football is meant to either of us, and you know, getting in the in Hall of Fame. And it's pretty, really going to be cool, like you said. A lot of people haven't really mentioned that as far as the two best defensive players ever, and to say that it's pretty pretty good. Uh, comment and you know it's going to go a long way
0: there you go that to me sounds like a complimentary guy There talking up you know Darrell Rivas and just everything that went in uh, to them going in and somehow some way that turned into Darrell Rivas saying uh here let's let's pull it up so we can read it sorry uh we're moving on the fly here I don't speak to people I don't know very well And we did not speak based on you saying you were jealous of my success at the Super Bowl. My mindset is clearly I'm at the top of that list as the best ever. But as a gentleman, I decided to say something cool for a headline. Then followed it up with, I ain't walking shit back. I said what I said. It's true what I said, but also true that I'm the best defensive player in Jets history, period. I don't even know why this is even a conversation. Just a really... Terrible, terrible look for Darrell Rivas, and I wish by the time this episode comes out that Darrell Rivas has walked back his comments and on top of that, apologized, because when myself and many other Jet fans will be making the trip to Canton, Ohio in a few weeks, it is supposed to be a great day for this franchise. That's what it's supposed to be. We're going to be celebrating you know, two guys in Joe Klecko, a Jets legend that my, you know, my dad grew up watching Joe Klecko and he liked Joe Klecko. And, you know, I've, I never unfortunately had the luxury of watching him play, but I've gone back and, you know, watched either, you know, games after the fact or looked at his numbers or, you know, watched interviews with him and, you know I have an appreciation for Joe Klecko in his history for the, for the New York Jets, even though uh, I didn't get to see him play live. Only after the fact, Rivas I did get to see live. I got to see his entire career. In fact, I remember where I was when he was drafted. I was at my cousin's first communion party. They tra- the Jets traded up. I had this is old school stuff here. So 2007, I had my Jets. My my dad's. Walkman uh, radio, and I had headphones in at this thing so I could listen to the NFL draft. And you wonder why uh, I had made Jets videos on YouTube later in life. And now that this is what I do every single day with my life, you wonder why. Because at 12 years old, I didn't want to, I had no interest in my cousins, uh, you know, first communion and talking with my cousins and uh, my family and relatives and enjoying the party. Now I sat outside. And had the headphones in. I also remember the Giants drafted Hakeem Nicks, who was a wide receiver. I'm pretty sure it was it was uh, Hakeem Nicks uh, who they took later in the first round. But I remember the Jets trading up. I was like, yeah, they got this guy for a corner from Pittsburgh, Darrell Rivas or uh, Darrell Rivas. Oh, we learned real quick just how good he was. Uh, Really, that 2009 season was just truly, truly special, Uh, and. Man, it just it stinks. They these are two guys who are Hall of Famers, Ring of Honor Jets, and these you know going into this upcoming weekend in a few weeks, it's tainted. And Jake Asman said it best in his reaction: like the the it's kind of sucks that this is the biggest storyline from that interview. Which again, Jake did a tremendous job. If you haven't seen it, you should check that out. How about Joe Klecko? talking about Aaron Rodgers and saying not that he fully changed his mind on it, but he was a little bit more understanding of why the jets went out and and did what they did to get Aaron Rodgers. And he appreciated some of the things that he did. Like that was should have been the soundbite and that should have been, you know, and, and Jake's work for, you know, putting the interview together and executing nearly an hour long interview with Joe Klecko. That's fantastic. That is a really good get on Jake's part. And, You know, it stinks that the biggest thing out of this is now a couple of Darrell Rivas tweets. And it bums me out, too, that, you know, a lot of the fan base has turned on him because of this. And I'm upset with Darrell. I don't hate him now. I'm, I'm mad at him. But, you know, it's like you're... You know, your brother or, you know, your buddy or someone you're close with. You could be mad at him and be like, I really don't like that you did that. That was a really crappy thing to do. Uh, but I don't hate the guy. He's not dead to me. I wish he would apologize. I think he's in the in the wrong here to come out and do what he or say what he said on Twitter. Now, am I of the opinion that he's the Best defensive player the Jets have ever had? Yes, I would put him ahead of Joe Klecko because to me, Darrell Reeves is a top five cornerback in NFL history, if not higher. Uh, Joe Klecko is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous player, a deserved Hall of Famer. I don't know if we could say that he is a top five interior defensive lineman or a top five defensive end. He played both and he played both really well. He is a damn good football player, and I don't want it to sound like I am discrediting his career. I don't want to have to choose one or the other, but if I personally were to do my rankings, I would put Darrell Revis 1 and Joe Klecko 2, and I don't think there is any shame in that. I I don't, but I I don't know why Revis took that so personally. That was really, really annoying and a really crappy thing uh, for him to do. Next up, we have Tyler Conklin on SiriusXM talking about Dalvin Cook and saying, "There's there's definitely a spot for Dalvin Cook uh, if he wants to come here." Let's let's listen.
2: Oh, there's definitely a spot for him. Uh, so when I was in Minnesota, we were kind of locker mates. He was right behind me, and Dalvin was always, <laughs> you know, he was. Uh, people ask me, he was just such a competitor to me. Like he just competed. Every, he loved football. He competed, and he was a really good teammate. As a young guy, you never know how people that are established in this league. You know are going to be or how they're going to treat a younger guy or whatnot and uh the way he you know was always with me and, and other players around him uh i guess went a really long ways and when this system in the outside zone and um i think he's one of the most all-around all backs in the nfl the way you know he can catch the ball in the backfield he's still good good in pass protection he's fast and uh I think the way Aaron competes, the way he can he competes, can would be just uh you know that would only help our team
0: having somebody like that. Former teammate, he's only going to say good things about him. I I'm not sold on uh, Dalvin Cook. I'm not. There there are some there there are there are some issues I think uh, unfortunately with his game, whether it be the yards. Uh, below expected his drops, um his yards per carry last year. Like some of his numbers are are trending down. I, I wish they they weren't the ten plus year there's not as many big runs anymore. It is unfortunately some of his stuff is trending in the wrong direction when you get to 28 years old sometimes that that happens and yes he still went over 1100 yards but sometimes you have to look at the signs of when these guys are going to start to slow down and I know he wouldn't be the lead back but and it wouldn't be the worst signing in the world if they if they added him but I'm not you know going to sit here and bang the table for Dalvin Cook and say like this is a must add it's an obvious add how could you, the Jets not if Dalvin Cook ends up Cook signed somewhere else then I'm like, all right, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, Joe Douglas, what a a whiff. How do you not bring Dalvin Cook in here? If they add him, okay, maybe there's a way that they could utilize him in this offense, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and necessarily bang the table for him, but that's another guy on the list. Garrett Wilson said good things about him. Tyler Conklin said some good things about him. Uh, Robert Sala didn't completely dismiss the notion like he did with uh, DeAndre Hopkins, so maybe there is a little bit more interest there. In uh, adding a guy like Dalvin Cook. Not impossible. Next one is a little bit of a longer sound bite, but I think it's worthwhile to play the whole thing. Uh, it's an interview from WFAN, back to back Tyler Conklin clips, by the way. It's Tiki and Tierney. And I, I've been critical of both Tiki Barber and Brandon Tierney. I don't really always care for their takes and opinions, but I liked this conversation that they had. With uh, with Tyler Conklin regarding Mike, how they handled the Mike White and Zach Wilson situation. It's it's very it's very interesting. Like when they all on the road trip to Minnesota wore the Mike White T shirts, and they asked him if they if he regretted it or had it, or felt any different after the fact. Now, uh, and I thought Tyler's answer was interesting. So let's listen through.
2: Once the team fractured.
0: And were was so publicly supportive of Mike White, mm-hmm. I
2: thought that was a bad move. And not so much the players. I had an issue with Robert Sala letting that happen because you guys are ironically going out to Minnesota. You should have won the game. Burials, yeah, yeah. who has good hands, if he holds on to that, you guys are gonna win that uh, game. I can't. That was a very good game. For that was games. a tough so, one. The, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to speak on that one. Uh, Harry, I trust me. That was a tough one. You're getting on the plane, get the Mike White shirts. If I'm Robert Sala, I've got to have the coaching instincts to say, hey, guys, I, right. I respect what you're doing, but this kid's 22 years old, and his mind is a mess. Yeah. I, thought was a, I thought that was a big mistake by Sava. Did you guys feel like it was a mistake in real time, like you were almost just burying dirt on, on Zach? Yeah, happy brother, because no like, people usually avoid the tough questions, right? People yeah. don't want to bring it up. But, you know, looking back at it as a, you know, a teammate and player, like, it's a tough situation because you got someone that's getting their first opportunity to be a starter. And sometimes in this league, that opportunity, like even for me, like I used to think I'd rather get my opportunity and blow it than to never get my opportunity and be like, well, I think I could have done this, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. after being in the league for, you know, going on six years, I've realized that some people might not ever get their opportunity. So you want to support somebody um, in that sense and your teammate in that sense because you want them to take advantage of that opportunity. And... Uh, as it was happening, then you start hearing some of the backlash and then you think about like, what he is, what Zach was going through. And uh, you kind of look at yourself and like, hey, I probably could have handled that better. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, if he probably didn't, it probably didn't feel good for him. I do think that in the locker room and like some of his personal relationships, I think that uh, he knows that people, you know, cared about him, supported him. And uh, it wasn't anything like to try to hurt him or anything. Mm-hmm. It was more of trying to support somebody else. But I'm think, thinking back to being, you know, 22, whatever, 21 years old. And in New York, which I was like. Quarterback. You know, quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and like, they tell you New York media is crazy. And I'm like, God, it'll be all right. It be alright it can not be that bad. Can yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you get here. And you're like, yeah. oh, Just man. don't lose to the Bills in week
0: one. Watch out. Man. <laughs> yeah, I am about to say. And then you get out here. Like, oh, ah, yeah. man, they, they can be brutal. Yeah. There you go. So interesting perspective from Tyler Conklin and he explains why they were trying to support Mike White and I, and I get it like from a locker room perspective I didn't necessarily take it as oh my like they were all the way like they were done with they were done with Zach I think they were just excited about their guy and that's kind of what Tyler Conklin was saying because in the off season, they were supportive of Zach Wilson and you know obviously some things changed along the way especially with you know production and play and when they were winning and then losing games because of quarterback play it's just it it was it was tough it was in a really really tough spot I don't blame the Jets for making that switch at the quarterback position though when they when they did And, you know, Mike White played well against the Chicago Bears. They had a huge win. You know, energy was back after feeling really, really down after just an abysmal showing on the road in New England. You get a big win at home. You move to at that point seven and four, right? And then you go on the road to Minnesota. It was a good team, mind you, a really good team, but that's a game that you felt like all right you could you could win that game and they probably should have and mike white was okay in in that game there were some really nice there were some some really nice throws and some clutch throws you know so I had a couple of interceptions and um there were some not so great moments in it but i i understand why they were like trying to rally around their guy and like okay this is our quarterback now but it, a little tough tough look for Zach and i'm sure that was hard for him but I think and I hope that, you know, Zach knew that the guys would still be behind him when he went back in. And, you know, there were some okay moments in the Detroit game when he came back in. And then it really went off the rails against Jacksonville, unfortunately. But, you know, it is what it is now. Aaron Rodgers is here. And hopefully you don't see Zach Wilson this year. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers plays all 17, is healthy, and plays into the playoffs. We got one more audio file that I wanted to share with you guys. It is regarding Sauce Gardner. So it is Tony Odin, Jets coach Tony Odin, talking about Sauce Gardner. Bigger things for him in 2023.
1: The number one job for corners is not to have them catch the ball. That's the number one job. Yeah. Period point blank. Now, the uh the the extra meat on the bone or the icing on the cake, all right, is the interception. You know, and that's where we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to those. But it's, it's so many other parts of his game. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. You know, that's that's gonna come. There's no no doubt in my mind, zero doubt in my mind that those things are gonna happen if they continue to throw over there. Um, but there's so many other things that we can work on. That's why I say that people think they saw a great player last year. Um, if he continues to trend and put the work in um, that he is doing, um, that we expect him to do. Um, there's going to be a little something extra in there. Oh boy.
0: A little something extra. How, how can you improve on a all pro defensive rookie of the year performance? That's what I want to know. Holy smokes. That'd be great. Now, if you were to criticize and the the Tyreek Woolen stands are going to come out of the woodwork because Woolen had those interceptions, Revis had two. Which isn't very high, obviously, but sometimes it is hard to get those interceptions when you are not getting thrown at. There were games where you know he really wasn't thrown at Sauce Gardner, and it. There are you're drawing those parallels to 2009 Darrell Revis, and it's funny that in an episode where we talk about, uh, and and when we talk about Darrell and what his impact was on this team and just how good he was in his Jets career and NFL career sauce Gardner could be that as well sauce had a better rookie year than what Darrell had as a rookie. Now sauce has to sustain that and continue to get better and, you know, do that for a long period of time before he's in that conversation with Darrell, who I said earlier is a top five corner in NFL history, but the traits are, traits are there and good on Tony Oden for working on that with him. I can't wait to see more sauce Gardner in 2023. I think it's just only going to be bigger and better things for, for sauce in this upcoming season in, in 2023. I can't, can't wait to see him out there on the football field. Maybe at a couple more interceptions. I don't think he will ever be a guy who has like 10 picks in a season because I just don't think people are going to attack him uh, that way. But Man, I can't wait to watch him out there. No voicemails this week, so make sure to call in 631-517-0756 to get in on the action for the voicemails. We can get you involved in the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Just Jets. Make sure to follow along on social media. I am Matt O'Leary, and I will catch you next time.